1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com, that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now here's Cynthia.
2: Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt and I'm so glad that you joined me today on New Year's Day. What a great day and we are going to make it a great day and we're going to make it a great year. So I'm very thankful that you are here listening and we have with us today one of my favorite hosts that I've had before. This is Rob Eckno all the way from Los Angeles, California. He was on our show about 3 years ago and he talked about his book God Bless America Before It's Too Late. He is uh, really an expert on recovery, and we had Dr. Jared Pingleton last week talk about recovery and and just the idea of, of holidays and especially Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and that we have more people drinking on Christmas Day than any other day of the year. And New Year's Day is very daunting for many people. And so I thought Rob Ekno would be a great way to kick off our new year. He always has so much hope and so much excitement. And, you know, he is, was homeless and now 24 years of sobriety. He's been a TV producer, a TV host, a radio host, an author. He just got done at the National Summit for Family Addictions, which is very exciting what America may be doing with addictions and the Surgeon General. So I was excited to hear some about that. So, Rob, thank you for joining us today.
3: Oh, thanks for having me, and Happy New Year.
2: Thank you. We're glad to have you back.
3: Oh, it's always excited to be uh, even just thinking of, uh, of the Phoenix and Scottsdale area. <laughs> I know. I
2: know. <laughs> it is nice. So you have some exciting things happening for you. But first, kind of just give us an idea, you know, what New Year's and, and just Christmas and holidays and, the, and what it feels like to be trapped in those addictions and the hope that there is to be out of them.
3: Well, I'll tell you, it's very challenging. I, I, my best Christmas story was this. It's actually, I had gotten sober on November, so the day after Thanksgiving in 1992. So at Christmas that year, on Christmas Eve, I was at a friend's house, and they were having a big party. And there was a, a friend of mine there who I'd known a long time, and he said, oh, man, you got to stay and party with us tonight. And I'm like, no, I don't I don't drink anymore. I, I'm almost a month sober. And, and I said, I want to go to Christmas Eve service at my church. And... He bugged me and bugged me and bugged me to, to stay at the party, and I and for whatever reason, God dragged me to Christmas Eve service that night, and I went there, and I, I've never drank since, and he ended up about a month later in prison for the next 10 years. Wow. Uh, he couldn't stop his addiction. And, you know, we never know what the turning point is going to be and, and why I was able to go to service that night and enjoy the candles and the Christmas music, and, and, and he was not able to, and and uh, he just went through a horrible at least 10 years of, of being in state prison back in New England.
2: That's phenomenal. It is really supernatural how God intervenes in our lives, and he's intervened in your life several times.
3: Well, you have to be seeking him, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, Everybody, there's so many people that will come into an addiction program and they'll say, you know, well, if I, if God really loved me, why would I be in this position? Well, you're in this position because you keep either sticking a needle in your arm or drinking a bottle of vodka or snorting a line of cocaine. God, God never once, when I was lying in bed during my crazy days, ever grabbed me on the shoulder and shook me and woke me up. And said, you know, Rob, you got to hurry up and get down to the bar, and, you know, and drink all your money away. And, and then call the dope dealer and then, you know, chase women all over town. And, and I've never did any of that stuff. I've I made those choices based on where I was in my life at that
2: time. Well, I think that's what's hard to, uh, to recognize is that we get so, our lives get so complicated, you know. And, and we can even be doing addictions that look a lot prettier. They can be shopping addictions. You know, or they can be addictions that, that we're addicted to the way that we look. You know, we we may have eating disorders. We might be addicted to food. We might be addicted to to buying things. You know, it's whatever we're doing to fill that void that we're not filling it with self and with God and 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 healthy relationships.
3: Well, absolutely. You know, it all comes down to you know people. If you if anybody reads the, the big book that we use in in uh, any of the twelve steps. Why is she more special than me, and why am I not getting mine, and, and, and I think I'm more than her or whatever, you know, and uh, and I'm not getting mine now. What, what, what's the deal? It, you
2: know? is, it, it, is, it is that comparing and contrasting, and it's that, yeah. it's that fighting for position all the time and never knowing that our self-worth and self-value comes from who God made us to be, not who we think the world thinks we are.
3: Yeah, and we think we're never—you know, here's the funny thing, I, I you know, I, I now I'm bald, right? <laughs> many, many years— <laughs> And, and for many years, I, I worked on TV shopping networks, and I wore a, a hairpiece. And
2: I did I did not know that.
3: Yeah. So even when I was walking the streets of Fort Lauderdale when I was homeless, I would always make sure, and I'd go into the Greyhound bus station to make sure that my, my hair looked good, because God knows, while you're out there walking the streets, Cynthia, you never know who you might run into. you got to look good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean...
2: Oh, that's hilarious. It's so true. We can be so self-consumed, can't we?
3: Yeah, and so I always thought that I had to look and act the way you wanted me to look and act. Not as God wanted me to be, because he already created me perfect in his image, as he did with everyone else, right? And so,
2: Why is that concept so hard to get?
3: It's amazing, is it not? It is amazing. It, It blows me away now that I've got it. I feel so sad when I see so many people that, that don't have it. And so anyways, I would spend 45 minutes a day in the mirror fixing this thing so that you wouldn't <laughs> see that it was a fake thing when I went on national TV. <laughs> no stuff, right?
2: Oh, you are cracking me up.
3: <laughs> and then one day, and I you know, what happened on my days off is I was always wearing a baseball hat because right. I didn't spend 45 minutes. Well, one day I was at one of my 12-step meetings, and a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, Rob, I was talking to a friend about you yesterday. And he said, Oh, you mean that guy that always wears the baseball hat? And now the guy wasn't being negative towards me. That's just how he recognized me. But I realized why I was always wearing the baseball
2: hat. Right, exactly.
3: And so I asked this friend of mine, we went out to lunch, this gal, I said, Come over to my apartment. And I want to do something, I, and I ripped off my, my hairpiece, and I put my hands around the rest of my hair on the side, and she said, oh, my God, why didn't you just get rid of that stupid thing years ago? And and I did, and, and I went across the street and to a little barber, and he shaved it all off, and literally on Monday night, I went on national TV with a full head of hair. Oh, my goodness. Tuesday, I walked into the <laughs> studio completely bald, and everyone was like, oh, my God, right? <laughs> And it was a, oh, my God, in a good way. Yes. The weird part was is I went on TV that night and sold more than I had ever sold in the previous 13 years.
2: That's hilarious. Just being and yourself. It was, it's being exactly. yourself. Exactly. Yes.
3: And the owner's wife even called me up and said, why didn't you just do that years ago? You know, and and that's our problem as, as people. For some reason, when we're growing up, we're not getting enough good parenting, I believe, right that, that, that boosts our children to say, hey, you want to go live a dream? Go live it. Right. You know, it's always, oh, you want to go out to Hollywood and do this? You want to have a, a Christian radio show, Cynthia? Really? Come on now. Let, let's get on with your life. Let's be realistic. You know? Right. It, exactly. And so, you know, that's the big thing that I see is that so many people had a lack of either, uh, the biggest thing is a, a good father, a good father in their lives comes down to so many of the issues with guys that end up in gangs, prison, you know, all that stuff. They always say I didn't have a good dad in my life, and um, and then uh, just just overall good, loving people around you who encourage you to start off with uh, from the beginning. That if we could change that, we could change a whole lot in this world.
2: Well, and I think that's really one of the emphasis. That's that's part of the what we really want to focus on when it comes to. Jesus coming as a baby, and wanting to help us understand our Father, and that yeah. we really do have a good, good Father. But we, we you know, we have so many. It's so it's so difficult sometimes to comprehend God as a spirit and and actually feeling Him as a Father. But part of you know even the twelve step, it's that spiritual element of the twelve step program that really draws us to the Father, that really heals our spirit, our soul which is craving all those good feelings that we try to get from people, places, and things, and not from spirituality.
3: Well, and we're living in this materialistic world where it's, you know, who's got the bigger car, and I'm out here in Hollywood, and, you know, you see guys that get a part in a movie, and, you know, the day before they had nothing, they hadn't worked in six months, and now they get a part in a movie, and then all of a sudden they walk into a meeting, and they're, you know, got this gleam in their eye, and they're pepping their step, and it's like their shoulders are back, like, today i 'm somebody, uh, and you know and I ask yes. them, I, so what are you trying to tell me yesterday you were a worthless human being because you didn 't have a part in a movie you know that 's not what makes you the person you are you know you know doing the, the steamable acts that God has created you to do to help another human being every day that 's what makes you are
2: i mean, see that's that 's really I think that we want to leave this segment on that and come back in the next segment we we have about a minute and a half left and so that idea about getting our self worth and our self esteem from how the world sees us and how other people see us and how we see ourselves versus understanding that the the esteem that we want to give others is the love of God through us and that when we really are expressing ourselves in the way God has made us to be really amazing things happen and it isn't about that whole performance issue So, Rob, you're going to be with us in this uh, next segment, and I'm so excited to have Rob Ekno with us all the way from Hollywood, California. He has such great insights just about living and lifestyle and what it means to be a recovered person. And and if any of you are listening that don't really resonate with addictions, what I want you to think about is this idea of getting your self-worth from somewhere other than your good, good father and getting your self-worth from the world, and getting your good feelings from the opinions of other people. That's really what we're talking about today. That's the spiritual dilemma that we want this new year to be different. We want this new year to be established in the truth of who God has created you to be, and the calling that God has on your life that is very special, very unique, and very significant. And so I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Make sure that you listen to the show in its entirety. Come back with us in the next segment as we talk with Rob Ekno. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And you are joining me on New Year's Day. So thank you for being with me on this great day. And this is the beginning of a phenomenal year. And I thought it would be very fun to have our friend Rob Ekno. If you've listened to the show before, you've heard him before. He has such a great story of recovery and what he has been through in his life, and how God intervened in so many magnificent ways and continues to do that for him. He is living uh, currently in Hollywood. He's, he's been a TV host, a TV producer. Um, he's been a radio host, and I've been on his show before. He's just done this amazing, different escapades, and I love the stories that he has, as, and the people that he interacts with, and how God has brought him from just being homeless 24 years of sobriety, and he continues to be this big voice in, in a sober world, and, and just really working with people, getting their lives back together, and being such such a bright light, in, in Hollywood is, is a pretty dark, dark area sometimes. So Rob, thank you so much for being here today.
3: Oh, thanks for having me, and getting my new year off to a great start as well.
2: <laughs> oh, good. Well, you know, we talked a little off-air about this idea that even if people don't Necessarily resonate or 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 feel like well I don't really have a concrete addiction I don't drink or I don't smoke I don't do heroin I don't do cocaine but there's this addictive component in all of us humans and that's to get our good feelings about ourselves from the world and that leads to spiritual depravity.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's constantly comparing ourselves. With the Joneses, I'll tell you this one really quickly. When I first uh, got sober, my dad was nice enough to give me a, uh, a Chevy Chevette from 1984 that had paint falling off of it. that had no air conditioning um, and stuff. And I drove that out to Hollywood. And I drove that for two years. So you know what it's like uh, living in Arizona, exactly, right? Exactly, yes. the summertime with no air conditioning mm-hmm. in your car. I don't care how many windows you roll down, you're dying. That's Right? right? And then every time I went to uh, wash the car, the paint would fall off, and I had to have to go to one of the auto body places and buy another can of spray paint and and, and repaint the car. Oh,
2: my goodness.
3: So, and and, and I find out afterwards, all my friends would pray. Every time I would leave their houses, they would say, oh, I hope Rob makes it home tonight, you know? Yes. So the point is, is that a couple of years later, I started making some good money on one of my TV programs, and and I was able to get myself uh, a, a nice car. And it had chrome wheels and air conditioning and leather and all this stuff. And it was a used car, but it was really nice, right? A whole heck of a lot nicer <laughs> than the one I was driving. Exactly. Well, I this will show you the, the, why I need God in my life. I get that car, and all these people are like, oh, man, dude, nice car, nice car. You know, I'm like, yeah, this is great. And I, I turn back to look at it as I was going into a, a meeting in Hollywood. And as soon as I turn back, this brand-new, top-of-the-line Mercedes drives by. And all of a sudden, my mind said, oh, my God, and I'm driving this piece of crap.
2: Exactly.
3: And it's like, wait a minute, dude, you just had a car that barely would make it up the road, and God just left you with this wonderful other car that has everything you've ever wanted. But because it's not, you know, this $100,000 car, now all of a sudden it's worthless? And I realized at that point in time that stuff was never going to be what made me happy. I had to get happy inside first and realize that God created me equally as special as every other person on this planet, and whether I knew my purpose or not now, he had a very special purpose for me that he needed me to do, and that's why He put me and all of us here.
2: I think that's the most powerful thing is is that's such a great analogy that you know we compare our outsides to everybody else's outsides and we're feeling pretty good and then somehow somebody comes alongside and we think they look better and all of a sudden the bottom drops out of us instead of us recognizing that it isn't about comparing and contrasting it's about you know when I talk to clients and I remind myself I can't compete with anybody else because nobody is like me so I only can compete with myself And that's really who I want to compare myself to is to myself. Am I better than I was yesterday? And so it's reminding myself that the enemy, the enemy of our soul loves to come in and just devour our sense of self-worth and self-esteem and point out all the foibles and all the problems that we have and all the ways we should be, could be, would be, ought to be. If we were only this, then we'd be better. And, you know, for you and I that are in more of a public eye and that we do more of the performing, these types of things, and we're in, in, kind of in those arenas. It is a brutal place, and we can be really hard on ourselves.
3: Well, what's interesting is this, and God gave me this thought, and I share it and people think about it. If you want to be different and unique in this world, all you have to ever be is yourself.
2: That's exactly right.
3: Right? There are billions and billions of people on this planet, and you are the only human being that has your DNA, that has your fingerprints, that has your feelings, that has your sense of touch, your sense of smell, your unique smile, all of that stuff. You're the only person on billions of people, and yet we keep trying to be somebody else.
2: Well, and it's amazing because you and I can say the same thing, the same message, but the way you deliver it is unique. The way I deliver it is unique. You reach certain people. I reach certain people. And and we forget that. We for, we keep thinking we're supposed to be like somebody else, and somebody else is better.
3: You know, I just had an incident the other night where I, I got asked here for the 12-step meeting about a month ago. And I was at the same meeting uh, the other night, and a guy comes up to me, and he was a, a well-known musician and stuff with record deals and stuff. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, I just want to thank you. For sharing that night that you shared, he said, you talked about the fact that you took your toupee off and you just became yourself and stuff. And he goes, you know, for years I keep dyeing my hair and all this, and I'm driving myself crazy. I'm trying to look a certain look because I'm up there on stage. And this. he said, and ever since you taught me that, he said, I said, you know what? It's okay to let the gray come into my goatee. It's okay to let the gray come into my hair. I'm good as I am. And so, you know, you do a show like this, and, you know, we never know that one person, especially that we might touch, obviously, more the merrier. But if we can just touch one person through your show today that says, you know what, I am worth it, and I am good enough as I am. Now I need to start get better relationship with God so that he can reveal my purpose. That's the key, I think.
2: That is a huge key. I think that I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really getting myself out of the way so that God can do what he really determined to do through me when he made me.
3: Yeah, I mean, if I'm so focused on all of this stuff, do I have the right haircut? Am I wearing the right clothes? One of the people are going to think, no, my job is really simple, especially as a recovering alcoholic. My job is so simple in life. It is to not drink today and to go out and add value to another human being's life. It's that simple. That's all God has asked.
2: I think that's great. I think, well, we're coming to the end of the segment. I can't believe it goes this fast. But I think that's really the impetus of today, is that how are we going to do our new year? And I like that statement that, you know, it's to not do the thing that's killing me and to add value to the people that are brought to my life that day. And if I can focus more on not doing the things that are killing me, Right, Like the Apostle Paul talks about in chapter 7 of Romans when he says, I don't do the thing I want to do and the thing I want to do I don't do. And it's really letting God transform us and renew us so that what we're bringing to the world is newness and health and hope and life and healing. So, Rob, we're going to have you in the next half hour. So, listeners, I want to make sure that you join us in the next half hour. And if you are not able to listen to the show in its entirety, I want to encourage you to go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, that's C I N t-h-i-a-h-i-e-t-t dot com. You can listen to the show in its entirety. Make sure that you look at all the social media. I have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and if you look at Facebook, it's Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. So make sure you join us in this next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And if you are just joining me, thank you for being here with me on New Year's Day. And I'm hoping that this gets your New Year started out really well. Because we're really talking about transformation and what God is doing in our life. And that we have one sole thing to do for God. And that is to be who He created us to be. And to be the best version of who we are. And to have the confidence to show the world who God created and that you have a very special place in this world and a very special reason for why you are here. And so I have Rob Ekno back with me. And if you've heard him on our show before, you'll know he's very, very fun to hear and very fun to listen to. And he has a great story and a great heart about how God has transformed his life. And so I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about this transformational process of where God brought him and how God continues to keep him where God wants him and just the insight that he has about living a transformed life. So Rob, thank you again for being with us today.
3: Well, thank you for having me. What a great way to start off the new year.
2: Yes, indeed. So what do you have for us? I I love just the insight that you have about your life and how God has really worked in your life.
3: Well, I think the biggest thing is that when it comes to adding value, adding value is is simple. And, And I think people think to themselves, I have to have money in my pocket or extra money in my bank account or a very prestigious job to be able to add value to people's life. But to walk into the convenience store or the gas station or wherever you might be on your daily journey, uh, to be able to just say hi to that person who has been berated behind the cash register about prices or whatever it may be, and you're the one person. Like, for instance, I go in to pay my uh, auto insurance out here in Southern California, and I'm not that smart of a guy. I don't remember everybody's name. So what I do in my cell phone is I type in the guy's name next to, you know, the name of the insurance company. So when I pull up in the parking lot, I go to my cell phone, I look up, it says, Lewis. And so I walk into there, and everybody else is complaining about prices, and I walk up and I say, Hey, Lewis, how are you today? And he gets all excited. His eyes light up because it's like somebody cares enough to call him by his name. And I don't have to have millions of dollars in my pocket to make you feel good today. I just have to treat you the way you would hope would want to be treated, right? And and so uh, I'll I tell you, this one here, this this one is one of the most powerful stories I have. I met a gentleman up in Alaska uh, last April, and uh, he was a black gentleman from South Central Los Angeles, which is, you know, a very difficult and challenging place to live, and people are used to fighting and, and all kinds of stuff there. So I met this guy at a 12-step program. I said hi. I never saw him again for two, uh, for two weeks a couple of weeks later, and he is 20 sheets to the wind. And I said, you know, dude, what's going on? And he told me, I, I screwed up. And I just started laying into him about God and how God had a bigger purpose for him. And we're right in the middle of the street in downtown Juno, and there's four or five guys around me, and they're all looking at me like, dude, this guy's going to wail off and knock your socks off in about two seconds if you keep talking to him like this, right? Because that's how he grew up. Exactly. And, and so. I just laid God into him, and all of a sudden, he stopped and looked at me. Tears started coming out of his eyes. He comes up and hugs me, not hits me, hugs me, steps back, and says, thank you. And he stayed there for about another couple of seconds, and I just looked at him, and all of a sudden, he pulls up the jacket from his wrist to his elbow and showed me where earlier in the day he had sliced his wrist Three times, all the way up from his, all the way up to his elbow. Oh my goodness! On his forearm, and he looks at me. He reaches into his pocket, and I, that I really got into about God, how right. God had a purpose for him, and thought. So and he looks at me, and again, these people think he's going to clobber me. He reaches into his pocket, and he gently hands me the knife that he tried to kill himself with. And he looked at me, and I took the knife. And he said, "Thank you," dropped a couple more tears, and walked away. And I called up there a couple of weeks back, and uh, he's still alive and well. And you know, all I had to do was say hi the first day I met him, and by me saying hi and remembering his name when he had that incident, I was—I had enough credibility from just saying hi.
2: Exactly. That he was
3: Yeah, it's amazing. We don't have to do these things and go above and beyond and buy people millions of dollars of Christmas presents and all this stuff. We just have to love people and be an example. My job is to allow the light of Christ to shine through me while I'm walking down the street every day. That's what my job is.
2: Well, and I think that is the most powerful. You know, there's that one of my favorite verses. It's, It's his kindness leads us to repentance. And we so forget how much the world needs kindness, that the world is a very harsh place. And, and so if you're just tuning in, we have Rob Ekno with us, and he's going to be with us in this last segment. And we're really talking about transformation and starting out our new year being the best version that God has called us to be. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join us in the next segment. You can also listen to the podcast on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and thank you so much for joining me on New Year's Day. And I am praying that you are going to have a New Year's that is better than any year you have ever had, and that God is going to be doing great and magnificent things through you. And today I have a friend of mine, Rob Ekno. He's all the way from Hollywood, California, talking to us today. And And he is one of the the most amazing people when it comes to being in the moment and really understanding how to be in the moment so that what God has for you to do occurs and that we all have a very special calling on our life. And many times we want it to be something really concrete like i write books or i'm a speaker or i'm a teacher or i'm i'm a parent or what whatever that role might be that we put ourselves in these boxes of how we should be could be would be ought to be instead of recognizing that your fingerprint on the earth is unique because it's yours and the way you touch an individual can be so powerful when you let the spirit of god work through you and not needing to be perfect not needing to have it all together And that we are all a work in process, and God promises that he will complete the good work in us, and it will not occur until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we're all a work in progress. So, Rob, you were talking to us in the last segment about this this poor gentleman in Juneau, Alaska, that you were so willing to be so present with him. And right in the middle of the street, you hugged him, and he had been drinking all day, and he tried to kill himself, and he ends up tearful, handing you the knife. And he's living still today. So just being in the moment.
3: (laughs) You know, here's the thing, too. I go through that struggle, too. I say, you know, God, I'm not doing enough for you. And, you know, because right now I'm I'm doing some other things. I'm creating projects. I'm actually showing people that no matter where you are in your life, you can create your dream with no matter what you have, as long as you have God. And if you're doing his will, he will send you whatever he needs you to have to, to continue with what he needs your purpose to be. And uh, of several friends who are very well-educated and knowledgeable in Christ and the world, they tell me that they believe my job is not necessarily the big speaker or or so on, but the one-on-one capabilities of touching one soul at a time, as Christ would do when he was walking across the desert, right? Yes. in in Juneau, Alaska, I'll tell you this other one. This happened the day before. This was a, this was a, even more amazing. So every day at, at six thirty in the morning, I would go up to a, a, my twelve step meeting, and I and I have to walk by the homeless shelter because Juneau is just like the size of a parking lot. <laughs> Anyways, there's guys out there that are shooting up, you know, heroin on the streets as I'm walking by. They're passing around big, you know, forty ounce beers, whatever it is that they're drinking, and they're always in groups: seven, eight, nine, ten. So I always joke with them, and I say, hey, you guys aren't going to hit me today, are you? And it's always groups of different people. And then finally one day, one guy, as I'm walking by, he says, no, dude, we would never hit you. And I said, okay, great, thank you. And I walked a few more steps, and then I stopped. And I turned around, and I went back, and I said, you know, you said you would never hit me. Um, Why is that? And he said, do you realize that every day of the year we are out here, 365 days, and hundreds of people walk by us every single day. He said, you're the only human being that has ever said hi to us. And you make us feel like we're worth something, so we would never hit you. Wow. And, and all I had to say was, hi.
2: It is amazing. It, it's amazing what one gesture of kindness does, of, of causing people to feel like they have value.
3: Well, if I, here's my thought. I tell people, you know, I used to run, uh, as you know, a big uh, uh, a homeless facility at, at one of the major churches uh, in Orange County out here in L.A. area. Yes. And, uh, and, and and one day, and I, the, the way I built it up was that I would hug every single person that came into that place. And they went from 20 people when I took over to over 300 meals every Monday within a matter of two months. And one day, the guy that was getting paid above me, as I was the head volunteer, I said to my ex-wife, he said, boy, your husband must really think when he comes home on Monday night. And she said, why is that? And he said, he hugs those people. Mm. And I'm like, no wonder why this church ended up failing as big as it was worldwide, because it wasn't about doing God's work, it was about how much money can we make selling our books on TV, how much money can we make on our speaking engagements, you know, by using our TV to promote ourselves, and it wasn't about treating people as Jesus would treat them.
2: See, I think that's what's so powerful, because when you said earlier that it's really the one-on-one, I mean, that's really what Christ did. And you, you've been in TV, you've been in radio for years. I mean, you've hosted all kinds of things, you've hosted shows, you've, you've produced TV shows, and it still comes back to this one-on-one. And I know that for myself. I do speaking, I do this radio show, but it's the clients I see face-to-face that's who changes the most and those people change other people.
3: No, absolutely. And so I got told that my people believe my journey is the one on one and i am, I have an ability to get people to tell me and what their life stories and, and, and you don't realize how healing it is to get rid of all this pain you've been holding on to yourself. And what happened was after that guy that tried to kill himself gave me his knife. You realize all of a sudden, all these people—the word got out, and they wanted me to be the street minister up there. They wanted me right.
2: to see what exactly. I was doing. And, Exactly.
3: Exactly. yeah? The next week or two, I had people that were talking to me for three, four hours, and I'd be listening to them for an hour. And I'm like, okay, I got to go and do stuff. And like, no, 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 I'm Rob, I'm not done yet. I got, I got stuff to tell you. And they would tell me the deepest, darkest stuff of their life, and they didn't even know me. But because I was said hi to them they felt there was a connection, I guess. And so they could trust me, and oh, my gosh. I mean, I followed guys into the woods where they were living with their tents and bears and homeless, and, and they asked me to come see how they live. I mean, it's incredible. And, and so as we start the new year here, I would just suggest to anybody that's listening, you know, if you're down in hell, what God does is this, is this is what he's done for me. If I am impatient... What God does is he'll give me 100 opportunities every day to act patient. You know, whether it be traffic on the freeway, whether it be people in line at the supermarket who have 15 items in a 12-item line, whatever it is, he gives me opportunities every day to be exactly the way I want to be. And then it's up to me to trust him that everything is okay by acting the way he wants me to act and not the way I think the world wants me to act.
2: I think that's really powerful. It's it's understanding we really have a good God and that he is not judgmental in the way that we would be judgmental toward ourselves or toward others. And I think what you offer people oftentimes is that non-judgmental feeling that they get from you. And how healing that is, whether they are the millionaire or the, you know, the the person on the street. They get that feeling that they are not judged. And
3: that's that's a key aspect right there. And I'll tell you this quickly. I'm sitting here in in, uh, uh, Burbank, California right now, just outside of Warner Brothers Studios, right across the street. And I'm in a parking lot, and I'm sitting in my car, and this guy backed in to walk into one of the places to get a coffee. And because he backed in, now his window was touching my window, basically, right? Both drivers. And I realized when we did the first half of this show that he was sitting there, and he started listening to me. And he looked at me, and then he rolled his window down all the way. And then he sat there and just kept staring at me as we were doing the first half of the show. And then after we finished the second segment, he looked at me, and then he started up his car and took off. And it's like, I never know where God's going to put me where I can deliver a message about God and being of value to other people and who's going to need to hear it at that time. But he was quite obvious he was listening our conversation about God
2: that's amazing
3: you know, and here I am just sitting here in the, in the middle of a parking lot so you know I just would like to say to your audience uh, you know quickly I know we're running out of time but you know believe in yourself and know that God created you for an amazingly special person and you are already perfect in his image already you don't have to prove anything to him he already knows who you are right the Bible says he knows everything even the hairs on your head so what am I trying to prove? And he's already forgiven me for everything. All I gotta do is go out and do what he asked me, which is to put a smile on another human being's face today, at least one, if I can do more better. And I don't need to really think all that much about it. I just need to treat people the way I would hope that the world would treat me. Even though this is a crazy world we live in as huge you, you know, and the hardest thing I think, Cynthia, for people is I know for me, is to accept the world as it is, not as I would have it.
2: Absolutely. I think that yeah. is the most difficult thing. You know, it's that famous saying in the the whole um, recovery world is acceptance, the key to all my problems. You know, and it's accepting myself, it's accepting you, it's accepting God on God's terms. And it's truly understanding that when I accept, then God can do the changing that God needs to do. When I'm the one trying to change everything and force a change so that I feel better, I'm going to be in conflict. But when I really relax and say, you know, God, I really have given my life to you. I am in your hands. You're not expecting perfection because you are the one perfecting me. And that we we let go and we relax and we work on being more in the moment. And then we are truly those instruments of God in ways that we would have never dreamed or been able to figure out on our own.
3: No, absolutely. And and I'll close for you on this one. I know we're running to an end, but when my divorce was coming to uh, kind of an end, Uh, three and a half years ago, I was back in New England. I went to visit my family for Thanksgiving, and and, um, I said to God, I said, Lord, I want to go down to the beach the next day, and I want to have a conversation with you. And I want you to please tell me if I'm missing something as a man. Do I need to save my marriage? What is it that you want me to do? And and please let me know. Well, I got down there, and I got to the beach, and I ended up starting to feed the seagulls. And I fed the seagulls. In November, you know, it gets dark really early, so it got dark. And I said, well, I don't want to walk the beach. And so in the dark, I'll just go and get a bowl of chowder and sit in my car and look at, talk to God into the moon. Well, for some reason, my car was off to the left, and the right, there was a huge wall that the ferry came through, so I couldn't go there. For some reason, I turned around and walked backwards 10 feet, and there was a building there that I couldn't go by. So I'm not sure why I went that way, but I do now. I never talked to God, but I had told him that I was coming there that day. In the beach sand, Cynthia, probably three feet high each letter, was written, I love you.
2: Oh my goodness.
3: And I started freaking out. I ran up to, I got in my car, I ran up to the store, got a flashlight, I came back, I'm taking pictures of this because nobody would believe me.
2: <laughs> right. And I,
3: and I get home and I start reading the Bible and in, uh, in Mark, it talks about, Jesus says, I will go before you to Galilee. Well, I was at Galloway State Beach.
2: Wow. It's remarkable how God is so in every detail of our life.
3: It's incredible. And then I ended up in Alaska six months later, and I had been there for a month, and it wasn't quite going the way they had promised me. So a friend of mine, I prayed to God. I said, God, if you want me to come home, and it was just like a paid one-month vacation, this has been incredible. I'll, I'll, I'll go back home. And a friend takes me to the glacier out in Juneau, and the, the lake was down, so we were able to hop over this little stream and save about a half a mile walk out to where we were going. And I said, You know, why don't we try that? And she said, Okay. And we did that. And as soon as we took three steps, the day after I prayed, God, am I in the right place? In the beach sand, right there was I heart you.
2: Wow. That's and I amazing. Said, if
3: there's not a God on this planet or in this world, how does one answer me and show me that in the sand, you know, uh, thirty 3, five hundred miles away, six months prior? And then I ask him again, and in the beach sand, he's got I heart you the day after I asked him again.
2: See, that's- I think that that's that's <laughs> remarkable, and I think that is such a message for us and for listeners that God does love us in spite of how we may feel, and that God loves the life that He has given us, even if we are not doing it exactly perfectly that he knows exactly what needs to happen and that he's with us every step of the way. And so, Rob, thank you for joining us today and just inspiring us as we go forward in this new year to really be who God has called us to be and to recognize that God is very much helping us do that and he's not asking us to do it perfectly. So listeners, thank you so much for being with me today and happy new year. And we are going to press through to this new year and we are going to embrace the new year that God has given us. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, all of the social media, and God bless you in this new year.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.